Um, and as as we just sang that song, I was I was I was thoughtful. It says, "I believe in everything you say you are," uh, referring, I suspect, to uh, Jesus and what we believe. Today, I want to share a message with you from Mark's gospel about uh, Jesus' disciples and what they believe. Uh, not so much about what Jesus said about himself, but about what God revealed to one of his disciples, namely Simon Peter. The narrative I'm going to read takes place um, as Jesus and his disciples are walking towards Caesarea Philippi, which was a big Roman um, army depot. So as I read this to you, I want you to imagine walking on a road uh, to a village that's kind of, you know, a, a beachhead for the Roman Empire and, and Palestine. And probably um, Roman soldiers walking up and down on either side of the road and wagons going up and say it was very organized when the Romans got in charge, okay? Nice roads, uh, soldiers walking on one side, uh, wagons and things on the road, and then pedestrians on the other side. And this is Jesus and his disciples as they're walking toward this village. Mark chapter 8, beginning at the 27th verse. <clears throat> Jesus went on with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered, Some say you are John the Baptist, reincarnated. Some say you are Elijah, or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, Well, who do you say that I am? And it was Simon Peter who answered him, saying, You are the Messiah. Then Jesus sternly ordered them not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Then he began to teach them a new lesson, saying that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. So Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And Jesus turning and seeing the other disciples looking on turned to Peter and rebuked him. Saying, get behind me, Satan. You are setting your mind on, on human things, not on divine things. Then he called a crowd to him with his disciples, and he said to them all, If anyone wants to become my disciple, they must deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their lives will lose it, and those who lose their, lose their lives for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with all the holy angels. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So apparently it matters... It matters what you say about Jesus. 
sometimes we find ourselves very much at a loss when it, we are ever put on the spot and, and, and asked by someone, so who do you say Jesus is? Who is he to you, to me, to the world? Uh, I don't know about you, but I hate being put on the spot. Most people uh, don't like it when they are have take the risk of being wrong about something, especially something with catastrophic consequences. Um, say a hurricane. So, wouldn't you hate to be a meteorologist? You know why they get the big bucks? Is because in times of anxiety, people come to them and say, where is this thing going to hit landfall? And oh, by the way, wherever you say, we're going to evacuate millions of people off the Outer Banks. My daughter Amanda had a vacation this week. Guess what? They're not on the Outer Banks. Okay, the, the, the consequences of a meteorologist being wrong are, are real. I mean, apparently you could have stayed on the Outer Banks this week, but who knew? Jesus said, when I come in all my glory with all the angels, uh, those who are ashamed of me and my gospel, I will be ashamed of them. I would, I'm kind of glad that Peter... Uh, took the risk about being wrong about Jesus. Apparently being wrong uh, about Jesus could have catastrophic consequences. Uh, so it probably leads to the idea that we ought to be a little bit articulate about who Jesus is because it could have real consequences in this life and in the life to come. Um, we pay big bucks to people to make decisions for which being wrong has consequences. We, we pay uh, ar uh, architects and we cross bridges of engineers. Uh, anybody who says we're going to do something and, and oh, by the way, the consequences if you're wrong are catastrophic. Therefore, that's why we upload doctors and, and, and anybody who's going to make a prediction or try to tell us something that we're going to take action on, we really want them to be right. And so we value that. Uh, Jesus said, when, when, when God comes and the world is delivered and I'm back with all the angels of heaven, uh, those who might have been wrong about me, I might be wrong about them. I might be ashamed of them. And... Uh, when I come in my glory, people uh, are going to need to know who I am. People have not heard of me. I, I don't know about you, but every now and then I meet somebody who's never been to church. They've heard about Jesus because it's part of our culture, but their real knowledge of who Jesus is and what the saving message of the gospel of Jesus is, is foreign to them. They really only know this cultural Jesus that you might hear about on television or the internet, but they've never really been with the body of Christ in worship with the presence of the Holy Spirit. They've never really spoken to someone called to preach and to teach about who Jesus is. More than I meet people like that, I meet people who say to me, Pastor, I'm not sure what I believe anymore. I'm afraid I'm losing my faith. 
Uh, um, I, I've been disillusioned. I've been disappointed. I've, I've, I've turned to the Jesus that I thought I knew, and I've, I've just come up empty. And these, these are the folks I run into more often, people who are doubting their faith. They've said, or, or, or they, they, just, they just outright don't believe it anymore. They say, you know, I used to believe, but now I've just had enough. I've seen the fragility of the church. I've seen the hypocrisy of the clergy. I've seen the, 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 the messed up doctrinal statements that everybody tries to make, and I just, I'm just going to let it all go. And these are the people that I run into more often. I'm losing my faith. Sometimes these folks who are in a faith crisis have recently been through some kind of catastrophic ordeal or event. Uh, emotional or personal or physical um, or environmental. You know, it could have been a, a hurricane. And um, sometimes this happens to, to shake our long-held beliefs and assumption and our ideas about who God is and our image about, about how Christ is present in our lives to make our lives more manageable to make our lives more peaceful, to make our lives make sense. And so when these things that happen that, that just rip the roof off, it causes us to lose our faith because we can't quite connect what our experience has been with what we always believed about God and how Jesus can transform our lives and save us from all these hardships and trials and suffering. Because that's kind of that's the Jesus I heard about and, and, and my, my life experience isn't connecting that. Um, how does Jesus save us? How do I keep from losing my faith? Well, if you ever find yourself, I, as a pastor, I mean, I get that all the time, but maybe you get that from people. I know you go to church and I'm losing my faith. Well, how, why, why, why is this disconnected for me? And I, I hope that you are not so paralyzed by the idea that you might be wrong about saying who Jesus is that you won't say anything. And said, I hope that you will just be willing to say, I don't know because that's what faith is. Faith means I don't know. It means I believe. Thank God Peter was not paralyzed by fear of being wrong. Because he said, and when Jesus asked, who do, you, who do people say that I am? And they were all over the place. And that's, you know, that is the way people are. We, we, we love to embellish. We love to say all kind of things. You know, where's this storm going to be? What are we going to do? What great things to talk about when there's an incoming, uh, you know, just it, it really gives us something to talk about. And so Jesus is asking his disciples, well, who do people say that I am? And they gave him all the answers of all the buzz going around town. And then he said, but who do you say I am? And it was Peter who by faith said, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. Um, now, Peter wasn't really wrong. But I suspect walking down that road, seeing all these Roman soldiers going back and forth, that Jesus, that Peter, when he said, you are the Christ, what's the next slide? There he is. That's what Peter probably had in mind. See, the Messiah in the Old Testament uh, was this um, military, political leader, 
that was divinely inspired, very powerful, very uh, divinely anointed that took the religion and the politics and the power and the military of the day and wound it all together and threw off the oppressors and delivered God's people into a time of the peaceable kingdom and a time of milk and honey. This is probably what, G, what Peter meant when he said, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the one who's going to get rid of all these Roman soldiers, and you're going to deliver God's people. Um, and he said that by faith, probably because that's the way he was feeling. It was just obvious right in front of us. You're going to save us from this storm that we're in. Uh, one of the problems about that kind of understanding about Jesus is usually uh, oppression or storms or difficulties, uh, if, if, if they avoid you, they're going to hit somebody else. So we're not going to say, oh, you're the Messiah, you're going to move this hurricane from hitting us in this area in Virginia, and oh, well, we don't care about those people down in South Carolina. No. Storms happen, suffering happens, cancer happens, accidents happen, catastrophes happen. And they are all a part of this world that we have to experience. But by faith, we believe that we're not alone in it. And that in some way, God's in the midst of it, even our suffering. So Peter says, you're the Christ. You're going to deliver us from the storm that we're in. And Peter was, was right about saying, you are the Messiah. But Peter didn't have the whole picture of what was being revealed about the Messiah. See, Peter's image of Jesus needed time to develop. Uh, Peter's image of Jesus uh, did not include yet his going to Jerusalem and Calvary and hanging on a cross and suffering and dying and raising again. None of that had happened. But somehow Peter had this faith, this belief, you are the Christ. You're not, you're not John the Baptist, you're not a prophet, you're not a teacher, you're not somebody who heals. You are the Christ, the great deliverer of this world. So he wasn't completely wrong because he answered by faith. But his answer was based on an on a, on a image that wasn't quite complete. Uh, tell me what you see here. Duck, rabbit, duck, rabbit. Come on, let me, duck, rabbit. Okay. All right, now work with it a little bit. Let some time go. Experience it deeper. You see, your first impression may change if you just spend a little time with it. It'll grow. Peter's proclamation of faith was based on what he had right in front of him. Probably these Roman soldiers had a lot to do with it. But there was way more to Jesus than what Peter was seeing right in front of them. There's more to Jesus to come, more revelation to come. Peter's faith had a place to grow. His understanding of what a Messiah is, what the Christ does, needed to mature. It needed some time. See, he believed that Jesus was going to deliver him from whatever his current dilemma or, or, or trial was. That's, I, that's what I think, because that's kind of the way we all come to faith. 
And Jesus rebuked him right in front. He said, okay, you're just thinking about what you're seeing right now. I'm much more than that. Because there will come a time when I will come with God in heaven and all the angels and make all that is wrong right. Peter was right that he did not see the whole picture. And he was right that Jesus is the Christ. But his, his image needed to grow. Um, the way Jesus saves us is not by blessing us and cursing others. Not by delivering us and letting deliverance not come to other people. The salvation that Christ offers is a salvation of your soul, that part of you that, that doesn't get hungry, that doesn't get thirsty, that doesn't get cancer, that doesn't suffer. A salvation of that divine spark within you that makes you fully human in the image that God made you. Christ redeems you from your brokenness and from the brokenness of the world. Jesus saves us by delivering us from the evil in the world, but not by visiting it on others. He saves us by inviting us into a faithful, fearless following, into lives of sacrifice and giving and love. And, and the thing that he wanted to teach Peter is if you, if, if you need to know what God is doing in the world, then don't just look at the Roman soldiers and don't just look at the hurricanes and don't just look at the hardships that are affecting your life. I want you to look as I go to Calvary. As I am betrayed and as I suffer and as I, I give my life as a sacrifice for you and for the whole world and how God will redeem it and raise me on the third day. And from then on, death is not the enemy. From then on, life is eternal. Life is our souls that live on for God and in the presence of God's eternal love in us and in the world forever so this idea that losing your faith is something that happens when when you face a challenge um i would invite you to consider that when you have doubts or when you meet somebody with doubts that the answer is to say to them you know it may be right now that you don't see the fullness of how god is working in your life right now it's just not making sense to you but but walk with it a while. Stay with it a while. If you're a person of faith uh, and you've been a person of faith for, for over a decade or two or three or four or eight, right? You can probably tell stories of how your faith sometimes was like this. And you, you just would walk through walls. And then sometimes you doubted. And on that journey of the ups and the downs of faith, you came to an understanding that it's this relationship with God that isn't dependent on hurricanes or Roman soldiers or diagnoses. But rather, it's a walk with the presence of God that gives you a faith that does not fear. See, that's really what it is that's odd about Christians. There are these people who've lost their fear of death because we have a Savior who's been there and came back again. So, so we're able to, to say things that aren't motivated by anxiety. We're able to see things that, that, that don't fear the ups and the downs because we believe that Christ is the Lord of all of it. All of it. And with us, uh, what, I, what I love about hurricanes 
this is a weird thing about hurricanes, the most powerful storms on the planet. And yet right in the middle of them is this place of peace and calm. How, who makes that stuff up? Who makes that stuff up? So, so whatever the storm is that you might be going through that might make you lose your faith, you know, it's a hurricane in my life. And I'm losing my faith, and you can say, well, what's, what's right in the core of that? What's right in the middle of that? It's this peace that passes understanding. It's something you don't know, but you believe, and it makes all the difference on how you move forward. Jesus is the Messiah. He's John the Baptist, the prophets, Elijah, healer, teaches all that rolled into one. He is the Christ of this world who saves this world in the ups and in the downs. Because he showed us that we don't have to live lives of fear, motivated only by our own well-being. But we are part of God's great work of creation, great work of redemption in this world. Um, we're not temporal. We're eternal. And uh, we can share that with others. <clears throat> Early in, in my faith, um, a moment that made a big difference to me was when a tornado hit Fairfax County at W.T. Woodson High School. My brother was in the high school when the gym roof got ripped off of it and thrown across the road. And then the tornado went across to Pickett Shopping Center. Anybody know where Pickett Shopping Center is? No, Little River Turnpike. Anyway, it went across the road after it ripped off the, the top of the gymnasium, and it tore through the shopping center, throwing cars and, and everything all across the, the parking lot, and uh, just ripped up the shopping center. But and the, when it was all said and done, there were only two stores in that shopping center that didn't reopen. One was the liquor store. And the other was an adult video store. Now, the adult video store, there, there's this school bus in the parking lot, and it got picked up and thrown across the parking lot right through the video store. Wiped it out, didn't come back. So that, you know, you know those are the kind of things, hmm, right? But that's too much like, oh, you know, God visits this on the good guys and the bad guys. But that doesn't work because there's not a tornado in Virginia, but there is one in South Carolina. That's, that's, that's a very, very limited snapshot of who Jesus is, right? It didn't help that somebody did take a snapshot. And what that means is before cell phones, and you could take thousands, somebody took a picture of the tornado, and guess what? There's this picture of a robed, bearded, long-haired Jesus figure in the clouds of the tornado. Now, some people wanted to buy that video store front and start a church. The church of Jesus and the tornado. Because that's what we do. We, oh, wow. I, did you see? Yeah, and, and there's, there's a whole church there based on a snapshot that somebody took. And I don't know what you feel about that kind of stuff. I like it. But I'm not going to build a church on it. It's those things that make you go, hmm. But they're not things to base your understanding of who Jesus is. Because Jesus is the Savior of all of it. You and me and the school bus and Virginia and South Carolina and the video store. Today, tomorrow, and forever. 
And I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your presence with us in the storm and in the calm. (laughs) Help us, we pray, to be able to not lose our faith in the down times and not be overly zealous about what we know in the up times, but to take this journey with you one day at a time. This we pray in Jesus' name and as he taught us. Let's all pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Stay our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.